My name is Luke, and I'm one of the pastors here at Holland Chapel. We're so thankful that you chose Holland Chapel as your place of worship today. Um, I, want, I want to start off by um, explaining a little bit about what's going to happen in, in August. Many of you know, but we're going to be making some transitions uh, starting August 1. Uh, Mallory Elledge will be uh, directing our children's ministry. And, and with that comes a, a new phase, a new role for me, which I'm incredibly excited about. Uh, I'll be pastor of discipleship, I think is the title. And, and what that's going to consist of is, is me getting to work with the pastors and, and strategizing and implementing and, and really being laser-focused on creating disciples. I am a product of a discipleship relationship. And I'm so thankful that when I was a teenager, uh, my youth pastor saw something in me and poured his life into me. And so I know the value of discipleship. And, and we would be uh, doing a really poor job at leading God's people if we did not value discipleship here at Holland Chapel. So what we're going to do starting in August, we, we've already been doing it, but we're going to get to really focus on it, is... Creating disciples that make disciples. We want to be a church that makes disciples. So if it's a person that just came to Jesus or, or is learning a little bit more about Christ, man, we want to get them started on this journey that, that when they kind of come to completion, they're making disciples. And maybe you've been following Christ for quite some time, but you've just never grasped what it was to be a disciple for one and then to make a disciple. We want to clear that up. We want to help you. We want to train you. We want to disciple you. So be praying for Mallory as she makes this transition in August, as she takes on children's ministry role, uh, and then also pray for me as I get to focus on this new phase of ministry, which I am incredibly excited about. But that brings me to this next point. Over the last three years, I've had the incredible joy of getting to work with your children. Uh, and I'm so grateful for that opportunity. It's taught me a lot. <laughs> Quite the humbling experience, to say the least. Uh, children are a gift, and what a blessing it was to get to work with them each and every week, training them up, discipling them. But pray for Mallory. She takes on that task. If you had any part in HC Kids over the last three years, I want to extend a massive thank you. Uh, I could not have done it without you. And I'm so thankful for a church uh, that loves kids and values uh, their precious little lives. So thank you so much for, for helping me. And I pray that you will do the same for Mallory come August. But this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 16. So if you got your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 16. The title of the message is When God calls us when God calls us. This, this chapter is incredibly missional in nature. As we, as we look at, at verse 1, we start to see the, the second missionary journey of Paul take root and take off. And, and so it's, it's missional in nature. So we may be thinking, what, what's the application that we can gain from this, Acts is a descriptive book, right? It's not prescriptive. So we have to read in the text and we have to draw from an application for our life. So it starts with the second missionary journey taking root. We see that, that Paul recruits Timothy to join him. And, and, and the original plan of that journey was to revisit churches 
that had already been established. So Paul was going to revisit churches that were in existence. He was going to speak encouragement to them, perhaps correct them, whatever the situation may bring about. But we see, once we start reading, that, that God's going to shift that original plan. God's going to place a call on Paul's life. So if you would, let's start reading in verse 6. It says, Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. So we're going to spend some time looking at this moment when Paul felt that he was being called. And we're going to try to gain from it principles for everyday Christian life. It's a big question, what do we do when we feel that God is calling us to do something? When we go to church or we go to events, we see people stand on stage, perhaps they're missionaries in foreign countries or are preachers that are famous, and, and they talk about the call on their life, that particular moment when God made it crystal clear what was, what was in store for them, right? And, and so in, in church life, we, we get used to hearing people stand up here and share about this massive call, and we're always like, man, that's awesome. That's so cool. God's done some great stuff in their life. But at the same time, we start to equate that with, man, maybe only God really calls like missionaries and God only calls preachers and pastors and, and, and you know, people to do this crazy cool stuff. But what, what does he have really for me? And so we start to get this misconception that, that God only calls people like Paul. A late 1800s theologian, which I was reading, studying about this, this Acts book, this chapter, his name is Alexander McLaren. He says, what is done for God is always great. Drop your deeds into God, and they will all be great, however small they are. So when we look about this, when God calls us, God placing this call upon our life, please do not try to compare to Paul or, or somebody else that, that God speaks to you specifically and has something that he wants to do in you and through you. So please, this morning, do not compare. But with the story of Paul, there is some great application for us. And the first point that I want to get to is careful consideration. Careful consideration. When we feel that God is calling us, we must have careful consideration of what exactly that call is. We see in the text that we just read that the words having concluded are in there. Having concluded, which literally means laying things together. Got a three-year-old. She always throws the puzzle pieces out, right? Good Lord, little girl, where did that go? Under the couch or whatever, right? It's like this, this puzzle that we have to gain all the pieces and then we start to put them together. Having concluded, laying things out. 
And what I love about this example that we read is that, is that Paul did not go about this on his own. That, God did, or that Paul did not go about this having concluded, this, this laying things together on his own. So what I want us to understand this morning is that God's call upon our life is not only personal, but it's communal. It's not only personal, but it's communal. The pronoun shifted in verse 10 to we. What we read here is that Luke now joins the journey. So we've got Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke. So we've got all these men coming together. Paul comes to him and says, hey, I received this vision. I think God is calling us into Macedonia. And he shares with them this call upon his life. These pastors get together and they're like, mm, okay, let's figure it out. Let's lay all these things out and let's see what God wants out of you, Paul. It's wise for us not to seek the will of God apart from listening to other godly people. The Holy Spirit is massive. I'm not taking away his responsibility. But we must include other godly people I know that for a fact. This statement has rang true in my life time and time and time again, where I feel as if God is calling me, God is pushing or ushering me in one direction or the other, and, and before I make that decision, I want to yield to what other godly people have to say about what I feel that God's calling me to do. Many of you can relate. Many of you have experienced that. You want to make sure of something, so you go ask someone, right? Right? Now, again, I'm not taking away the Holy Spirit's job, but I think there's something to the story when Paul gains some wisdom from the pastors that was hanging out with him at the time. We must ask people, wise people, for help. What a plug for HC groups, right? What a plug for HC groups. We're just getting those started. What we believe here at Holland Chapel is that when the people of God get around and discuss the things of God, great things happen. What I found true in my life is that when I get involved in this group and we start to do life together each and every week and, and I can come to them with an issue or a problem or a prayer request or whatever it is, that they're more than willing to step in there and share some biblical truth, share some wisdom, pray for me. That's what you can find in an HC group. So if you're, you're wondering, well, I, I'm, I'm not really around godly, wise people that much. Well, are you in an HC group? Be a question for you to ask yourself. Because there are many times when we can feel alone, right? That we don't really have a lot of people to lean on. In our journey, we need to understand that God also prevents and he permits. Say that again, that we need to understand that God prevents and he permits. Many of you this morning are, are frustrated when I say when God calls us, maybe immediate frustration creeps into your head because you think, well, I've been, I've been, I've been praying, I've been seeking, and, and, and perhaps I go this way, but it doesn't really work out. I feel like God's asking me to do this, but it hasn't really worked out at the moment in this way and, and that way. But what we read in the text, if you remember, that, that the Holy Spirit prevented Paul from preaching in two different occasions. So maybe as you've tried to discern the will of God, maybe he's closed that door, that classic phrase. He shut the door. When we're trying to discern the will of God, we need to understand that he prevents, but then he permits. So please do not get discouraged when you are seeking, when you are praying, when you are reading and studying and, and just opening your heart to what God wants out of you. 
you must understand that he does prevent. And that is for our benefit. We don't know what happened here in the scriptures. We don't know what prevented them, whether it was travel issues or sickness or whatever it may be. All we know is that the Holy Spirit kept him from going where he thought he needed to go. Only to open up this Macedonia call moment. So the first point, careful consideration. Surround yourself with the wisdom of godly people. Pray for the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and he'll make it known. So what do we do once we carefully discern what God's asked us to do? What do we do? The next point, immediate response. Immediate response. The guys got together and they figured it out. And then we read, so we decided to leave at once. But when we discern what God has called us to do, we must take action. I like to think of it like this. Cell phones, anyone? Got a cell phone? If you do, raise it up. It's cool. You probably got it out. It's all good. Nowadays, the Bible's on your phone, right? Good excuse. <laughs> so we got these cell phones these days. And we get text messages from time to time, right? You ever got the text message? You read it, and you're like, hmm, I don't know. I do not know. You're confused on how to respond, right? You don't have the words at the moment. Maybe it is perplexing. So you set the phone down. And before you know it, a week has passed. You run into the person at the grocery store, because I'm 30 now, and that's where I run into people. And <laughs> times have changed. So you run into them at the grocery store, and they're like, thanks for ignoring me. And you're like, mm, you did text me. I am so sorry right? Sometimes the call of God on our life is much like a delayed text message. We put it down, we forget about it. Life happens. We realize, oh, God did ask me to do something. James chapter 4 verse 17 says, remember it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. So text your mama back. Just text your mama back. If we don't act immediately upon this call that God has on our life, we open ourselves up to allowing some distractions to come in. We become fearful. We start to doubt if we really heard from God in the first place. We start to make excuses for disobedience. We try to justify our inaction if we're not careful, this will become a pattern in our Christian life. We'll get fired up, we'll hear a message, we'll read something, we'll, something will happen in life, we'll get mm, really amped up for God. God, show me what you want out of my life. God will show you exactly what he wants out of your life. You'll say, thank you. And then before you know it, you've put off the calling and you're right back to where you were. This is a pattern that I've seen in my life and it's a pattern that I've seen in many other people's lives. They put off the calling time and time and time again. That's why I believe that when we figure out what God wants us to do, careful consideration, use other people in the Holy Spirit, we really discern what God has called us to do. Once we figure it out, we move on it. We move on it. Remember the ladder? We need to 
do the difficult things so it makes it easier for people to come to Jesus. At some point, we have to understand that we have to respond to Jesus. We have to respond to him. Obedience can be an incredibly difficult thing. But perhaps God is calling you to do the difficult thing to make it easier for somebody to respond to the gospel. If we sit around and we think about it too much without taking action, all these things can creep into our life. And it will paralyze you and it will cripple you from doing exactly what God has asked you to do. It will keep you from being obedient. Paul stood at this particular seaport in Troas, looking across a little narrow strait of the Aegean Sea, hearing this call upon his life to take the gospel into an area that has never really received the gospel. Brand new place. It would have been much easier for him to revisit all his friends, right? It would have been so much easier to keep going on that particular path that he thought he was supposed to go down to revisit those churches and hang out with other believers. But he's standing at this seaport going, maybe God is calling us to go here where we've never been. Maybe God is calling you to do much of the same. We're not at the Aegean right now. But God may be calling you to cross your Aegean Sea, whether that's literally the road in your neighborhood, the neighbor across the street, or a coworker, a spouse, a friend, a lifelong friend. Sometimes that's the most difficult seat across. What is God calling you to do? Chances are it's going to be difficult. It's going to make you uncomfortable. Don't be scared to step into the calling that God has upon your life. Don't be scared. Like Luke, how can you say this, man? It's, you know, obedience can be terrifying. Next point, he has gone before you. He has gone before you. He's gone before you. Back your bulletin, you'll see a sentence. Look at what God has done in your past to give confidence in your future. We can step into our calling with all confidence because of what God has done in our past to get us to this particular moment. And we can have knowledge that he's going to be with us in the future. Incredible passage, Deuteronomy 31.8. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will never fail you or abandon you. He's got it all mapped out. He's got it all mapped out. What I love about this story is that once Paul gets with the pastors, they figure out exactly what God has called them to do. We see immediate action. And then we read three wonderful conversion stories because of his obedience. Because of his obedience. So what we can gain from this story is that if we are obedient to God, if we carefully discern what he's got for us, we do not have to worry about tomorrow. We do not have to worry about next week. Now, Paul gets thrown in jail. Difficult things are going to come. 
But if we are relying on God, trusting in him, realizing that he has brought us out of our past, got us us to this particular point and is going to care for our future, we can rest in that and know that God has got divine appointments waiting on us if we just step through that door and say yes. God had people waiting to receive the gospel. All he needed was Paul to say yes. The first story, Lydia, a wealthy merchant lady. She was leading a women's prayer meeting by the river when Paul shows up. The Bible says the Lord opened her heart to what Paul was saying. And you're like, Luke, she was leading a prayer meeting? What in the world? She was missing something important. At the end of verse 10, it says they're going to cross Macedonia and preach the gospel. She was missing the gospel. So this story, we can look at it a couple ways. Are you Lydia at this moment in your life? Are you an over-religious person that is missing Jesus, going through the motions, but you haven't given your life to him yet? Or was this you at some point? But the point is that that Paul made himself available and Lydia was there waiting. Again, immediate response. Next we see a slave girl who was demon-possessed. She followed Paul around, mocking him and the gospel. Scripture says he became annoyed and cast the demon out of her. Some people question whether or not this young lady was converted at this time, but uh, Jesus is teaching on Demon possession in Matthew 12 tells us that when a demon is cast out, something has to take the place of the demon or it will return sevenfold. So what we see in this particular story is that the slave girl was being used by her masters for profit. After Paul cast out the demon, they were upset because they could not use her anymore. So what that tells me is that Jesus filled the void. What an incredible conversion story. All Paul had to do was make himself Available, right? God had it all mapped out. He had people ready and willing to respond to the gospel. Last story is the Philippian jailer. We see a mighty conversion story here. Probably a retired general that in his retirement is a, is a prison guard. Comes from a very violent, evil past. God shook the prison, but I'm confident at the same time he was shaking his soul. He'd been hearing believers pray and sing, so I think there was a real clear picture of who Jesus was when that earthquake came, and he responded to Jesus. Are you the jailer? Are you, does that story fit in with you? God called Paul to do an incredible work. Paul had no idea that these events were going to take place. But God did. He just needed Paul to step through the door and make himself available. So the big question for us this morning, I don't know what God is calling you to do, I don't have a clue. There are some 
biblical principles that we can apply to all of us. But maybe this morning you, you walked in here a little frustrated with where you're at in your Christian walk. A little frustrated. Maybe you've encountered those times where God has prevented more than he's permitted. Remember, don't be discouraged. He's protecting you. He's guarding you. He's getting you to the point where he will permit it. What I want, to un- what I want us to understand as, as God's people this morning is that when we respond to God, when we do those difficult things, he's got people ready. He's got people ready. So maybe in your mind you're thinking, I don't really know what that call is, but I mean, I know I'm supposed to be sharing my faith. I know I'm supposed to be doing this. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Paul knew that he was going into an area that's never heard the gospel before. Maybe God's not calling you to a foreign mission field. But he's calling you to be obedient. Be willing. And he's got people waiting on you. These are Paul's stories, right? If he was here with us, he would be able to share these. It would be incredible, right? It would grip our imaginations and go, my goodness, that's awesome. But what if you had your own stories? What if you had your own? Some of you have been faithful. You've been obedient. You've stepped through that time and time again, and God has revealed himself and used you in a mighty way. But some of you are being crippled. Maybe God's called you to do something, but you wait. It's like text, text message. Before you know it, life gets in the way, and here you are, not doing anything. God wants to use you. He's got people that need you. Do the difficult things so it's easier for people to respond to the gospel. What greater calling on your life, right, than to share the good news of Jesus? For God to use you to tell people about Jesus? Get you fired up? Get you pumped up? Like, look, you're kind of yelling at us, but you're kind of not. I don't know how to read it. God wants to use you. I'm confident of that. Figure out exactly what God wants out of you. Use people around you. Take immediate action. Don't delay. Don't wait. You can have confidence in your future because God's got it all mapped out. He's got everything mapped out. This morning, you may be wondering, how how do I respond to this message? It's a very simple message on the call of God's life, God's call on your life. How do do I respond to it? How do I respond to this? Maybe you got it figured out. Maybe you, you've come to the point right now, I know. I know exactly what God wants me to do. Today can be the day you take action, right? There may be something much greater going on in your life right now. Maybe you're understanding that you've never felt the call of God because you do not have a relationship with Jesus. That's a calling on our life. Maybe you've never responded 
to Jesus. This is a calling that you need to take immediate action upon. Do not wait. Do you understand what Christ has done for you? If you've understood that that he paid the ultimate price on a cross to cover your sins so that you can have a relationship with him and God, my goodness, once you've come to that point, you've understood that calling upon your life, respond this morning. So maybe just a minute when we start to sing and everybody's going to stand up, it's going to be a really awesome time. Maybe you shouldn't come down front and say, you know what? I've understood exactly what God wants out of me and I need, I need Jesus. Or maybe another way for you to respond this morning to say, you know what? I know that I'm supposed to cross the street. For me, that's tough because it's a county road and the cars drive fast. But, um, and everybody's got dogs that they don't put in fences. But maybe you're supposed to share the gospel with your neighbor and you've been putting it off. You see him out there mowing his yard. Maybe your kids play together. You know in your heart that you're supposed to walk across the street and share the gospel. But you have been hindered by your fear, crippled by inaction, and you keep putting it off. Remember, it's a sin to know what to do and not to do it. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a best friend, spouse, parent. I don't know. Maybe you can respond this morning by, by either coming here or, or, or praying where you're at and say, God, do not let the sun go down today without me taking action. Another way for you to respond this morning is, is to give or just stay where you're at and pray for people in this room. Pray for that lost person that you know you need to share the gospel with. Would you stand with me? We're going to pray. And then you're going to have time to respond any way you see fit.